Good morning. It's great to see you, especially if you're new here at Cottam at the 11 a.m. or at the 9 a.m. Everyone just turn around and wave to people at the 9 a.m. because we are being videoed. Um, we are taking a couple of Sundays to talk about giving to help us as we have our gift day today. Last week, Andy talked about Jesus watching people putting money in the offering, not what you might expect. Um, and Jesus uh, looked at the widow giving just two pennies into the offering, and he said she'd given more than everyone else, because it's not about the amount that we give, but it's about our heart before God. Today, I want to help us to see that uh, how we spend our money is probably one of the best indicators of how we are spending our lives. And I want us to look at the question, how does God want me to spend my money? I don't know what it was like for you growing up, um, but for me, um, money wasn't really talked about in my family. And uh, so I didn't know how much my parents earned. And because uh, we always had enough, um, it was never really an issue. And I didn't understand probably uh, the cost of living or how to run a budget or how to manage money. And uh, some of you may have grown up in homes where money was talked about a lot. But for me, it wasn't very much. My parents were always very generous to charities and to family members and friends. But it wasn't till uh, I got into my late teens, I, I became a Christian and left home. And I started to learn about managing money and running a budget and also about giving. Some of us may have grown up in homes where uh, money was always a cause of stress and anxiety because you didn't have very much. And the point is this, that we all have different experiences with money. Some of us have had more than enough, and others of us have always had very, very little. But our use of money over the course of our lives is a great indication of the condition of our hearts and what our priorities are. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your money goes is a sign of what your heart is going after. And as John Piper says, Jesus cares more than anything about what your heart is going after. That's why this issue of what we do with our money is so important for us. So, Wherever you are today on your journey of faith, whether you're considering what you give as a gift or not, I hope that what I share today will provoke you and equip you to think about how you, you use the money that you've got. And to help us today, I want to look at the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. In chapters 8 and 9 of the second part of his letter, he's writing to them to ask that they be generous in giving to the church in Jerusalem that was living in poverty due to a famine. So we're going to pick it up in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6, and it's there on the screen for you as well. Remember this, 
Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap or harvest generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I think these verses show that we can be under no illusion that how we spend our money is important to God. And it says he's able to bless you abundantly. J. John tells this great story. Some of you may know it. Uh, Forgive me if you've already heard it, but I'm unashamedly stealing it because it's such a good story. Um, and I hope many of you haven't heard it. It's about a man waiting uh, to catch a plane at an airport. And he decides, as some of us do on a long journey, I'm going to treat myself. He buys himself a coffee and a bag of donuts. And he looks around for somewhere to sit. And there are no chairs available apart from there's one table with a man sat there and there's a spare chair. So he makes his way over. He's got all of his bags and paraphernalia. Uh, and he kind of, oh, you know, struggles, gets everything down, his coffee, his donuts, his bags. He sits down, takes a swig of his coffee, and then reaches out and opens the bag of donuts on the table and takes a donut. The man opposite looks up, smiles, and reaches out and takes a donut from the bag and eats one. Now, our guy is absolutely flabbergasted. What the heck is he doing? He's stealing my donuts, but he's British, so he can't say anything. Uh, so he just gives him one of those kind of, ooh, looks, you know, that kind of withering. Um, and so what he decides is that he reaches out, takes another donut, but as he takes it, he kind of slides the bag back to his side of the table just to say, you know, stay clear. Anyway, the guy looks up. Uh, The other guy looks up from his book that he's reading, smiles, reaches across the table, takes another donut from the bag, and starts eating it. Well, our guy's like, what is going on? He looks around for transport police. He's thinking of maybe announcing a national emergency. But before he can do anything, the other guy stands up and starts gathering his things together. He obviously needs to go and catch his plane. But before he leaves... He reaches out, takes another donut, tears it in half, puts one half in his mouth, puts the other half down on the bag, and pushes the bag back towards our guy and walks away. Our guy sits there dumbfounded. What is going on? He cannot believe this guy has been stealing his donuts. Anyway, he looks at his watch, realizes he needs to get going, So starts to gather up his things, reaches down to pick up his bag, and there on the floor is his unopened bag of donuts. He thought the other man was stealing his donuts, but he was the donut thief. The point is, they're all God's donuts. He's just sharing them with him, with us. They're not ours. They're not yours or mine. They're his. Everything 
we have has been given to us by God. It doesn't belong to us. It's just on loan. It's like we're stewards, not owners. Now, our capitalist society tells us, you've worked hard. You deserve to enjoy what you've earned. And if you think it's all yours, then why would you share it? Why not just keep what you have for yourself? It's understandable to think, this is mine. I've earned it. I deserve a nice house, a decent car, and good holidays. But the Bible doesn't speak about entitlement or our rights. It speaks about how God has graciously provided for us. He created everything. He's made each one of us. And he's put us on earth to steward and enjoy all the things that he's provided. Psalm 24 says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Say everything with me. Very good. It's all his. It all belongs to him. And everything we enjoy is provided by him. Verse 8 says, God is able to bless you abundantly. He's able because he's got all the resources, everything, everything belongs to him. Once we get that it's not ours anyway, it's a radical shift in thinking because then we're just giving back what he's already given to us. Martin Luther said, there are three conversions necessary. The conversion of the heart, the conversion of the mind, and the conversion of the purse. If Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and you take him at his word, then it will reach your wallet, and it will affect your bank account. You're just stewarding the money that God has given you. How you're spending Money is an issue of discipleship. A disciple is a follower of Jesus. And my money should follow my commitment to Jesus. And whatever you believe, let how you spend your money be a reflection of those beliefs. I want to draw out three principles from this passage we, we read about how we're encouraged to give. That is to give proportionately, to give generously, and to give cheerfully. First of all, give proportionately. Verse 7 says, give what you've decided in your heart to give. In other words, give what you can from what you have. Earlier in his letter to the Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 3, Paul writes about the believers in Macedonia, that they gave according to their means. I've got two wallets here. Who'd like a wallet? Don't be shy. There you go, Sarah. Oh, you've got to be able to catch. Uh, Right, have a look. Hopefully there's some money in the wallets. Tell me how how much have you got? Five pounds? It's just been stolen. Don't worry, they're all God's donuts. Uh, Open the zipper. 
Come on. Oh, Sarah. Oh, do you have someone that does that for you at work? Oh, okay. Um, okay, so uh, how much did you have? Five pounds, how much? One pound. Um, Sarah, how much would you like to give? Would you like to give five pounds? Very good answer, okay. She can't give five pounds because she's only got one pound. Do you get it? Yeah? You can only give out of what you have. We're not talking about credit card giving, not talking about giving out of what you wish you had, but giving proportionately from what you've actually got. So, if you have five pounds, or if your neighbor's stolen your five pounds, then you can give some proportion or percentage of five pounds, but you can't give 10 pounds, because you don't have 10 pounds. As Paul says, give what you've decided in your heart. This is a heart issue for you before God. Your giving is between you and him. So for people that give in this church, the leaders and the elders don't know what you give. It's a private thing between you and him. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 5, again about the Macedonian church, that they gave first to the Lord and then to us. Ultimately, our giving is an act of worship expressed to God through giving to our local church. Phil Moore, who's the church leader in London, says, no statement of faith reveals what we believe as clearly as our bank statements. Ooh. It is as concrete an act of worship as any song we sing on Sundays. Earlier in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 2, Paul writes to the church, on the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. So it's proportionate in keeping with your income, and it's also regular on the first day of the week. If you're one of the people that gets paid weekly, then you can give weekly. If you get paid monthly, then try and get into the habit of giving monthly. Paul was writing in the context of collecting money for impoverished Christians in Jerusalem. But the same principle applies for us. We should give regularly in proportion to how much we earn. Now, before you think, wow, Ben's getting a bit heavy here, telling us you know, where to give our money. Well, giving is not a requirement. Like a gym membership, you know, like you pay for but maybe you never use, or uh, a subscription thing like Netflix or Spotify. It's a choice, a, a free will choice about how you invest. These are principles, not rules. It's a heart thing, what you've decided in your heart, not a duty. So if you love Jesus, if you love his church, if you want to see people's lives changed in Bristol, it takes money to hire these buildings that we meet in. It takes financial resources to pay huge salaries like to James Lee. Um, only joking. Uh, it takes money to run ministries and it takes money to equip us and to pay for different events so that we can share the gospel with people. Now, 
there's no doubt we have set an ambitious budget for us to press forward this year. And we've said, we've been really clear, we're falling slightly short of what we need each month. And so we're calling the church to give and for everyone who calls this church their home to play their part. At a church that Jess and I attended uh, for many years in London, we were taught the 80-10-10 principle. That was to live off 80% of your income, give 10%, and save 10%. Now, that's a good kind of rule of thumb for stewarding what God's given you. Oh, and by the way, Jess and I give a percentage of what we earn um, before tax. So it's like whatever the, you know, you get paid £20,000 a year, then before tax, decide what percentage of that are you going to give. And we do that by monthly standing order. It's good just to be transparent and be open about what you do. But 10% is just a start. So the people in the Old Testament were taught to give a tithe, a tenth of all of their produce that they brought in. But the New Testament doesn't talk about tithing. It talks about generosity. And it applies not just to your money, but your time and your gifting. It's an exhortation. Don't waste what you have, but put it to good use. It's all his anyway. So I might as well use it wisely. So the first principle, if you call this your church, is give proportionately according to your means. The second principle is give generously. Verse 6 says, so generously. God is generous. That's who he is. Grace is God's free gift to us. Nothing that we've earned. That was coming through again and again in our worship, wasn't it? Nothing that we've earned or deserved, but God's free gift to us. Some of you may know that acronym, grace. God's riches at Christ's expense. This is all the blessings that we receive from God, not just financial, all the benefits of what Jesus achieved on the cross for us. Just as we receive grace, we can now reflect it back. Jesus says in Matthew 10, freely you've received, now freely give. That is in the context of mission. You've received the gospel, now share it with other people. But it also applies to our money. I'm sure none of you are selfish, but I'm, I'm selfish by nature. If I get given a packet of Jaffa Cakes, what's my immediate instinct? It's to gobble them all as fast as I can before Jess gets on the scene, or my children. Okay, My first instinct is not to think, who can I give these to? Who can I share with? It's to eat them all myself. Generosity is a result of God's grace in our lives. Paul, earlier in his letter to the Corinthians, says he encourages them to excel in the grace of giving. We don't often think about excelling at giving, do we? We think about, oh, they're an excellent evangelist, you know, how they preach the gospel. They excel in that regard. Or 
they excel in how they count money. I mean, not Sarah Evans, but other people. Uh, they really excel in, in being able to open a wallet and find the money in it. Sorry, Sarah. Um, we don't often think about being excellent in giving, do we? But we should. And Paul encourages them to. He says about the Macedonian church, again, that they gave even beyond their ability. They stretched beyond maybe what was comfortable in order to be generous. We've talked about how what we do with our money is important to God. It's an act of worship. But it's also important for us. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. You'll see the results in your life. That doesn't mean you'll get loads of financial blessing necessarily. You might do. But you'll see the good, the benefits of your giving. It's like a farmer sowing seed. If you don't sow anything, then when it comes to harvest time, oh, I've got no crops to harvest. Well, it's because you didn't sow anything. Or has anyone ever heard of a really successful investor who never invested any money? It doesn't happen, does it? We have to sow if we want to reap something. Money is like manure. Yeah, you've got to spread it around. If you spread it out, then things will grow. If you just keep it all in one place, especially under, you know, under your bed or something, it will stink. You know, money is meant to be spread out for the benefit of other people. And what does generosity look like? It looks like freely giving to others without expecting anything in return. This is the best moment of the morning. I've got some sweets here, okay? Generosity doesn't look like this. It doesn't look like, oh, would you like a chocolate, Bex? <sighs> Alex, would you like a chocolate? Yes, it's not like saying, oh, have you got anything uh, that you can give me in exchange? Thoughts not thoughts and prayers. I want something <laughs> tangible. No, generosity... Generosity looks like this. It looks like, oh, you know, why don't we share them around a bit? Why don't we share them around, you know? I should have bought more bags, shouldn't I? Oh, there we go. That's, that's what generosity looks like. It looks like sharing what you have, whether that's food or possessions, or money. I can tell who got a chocolate, because you're smiling at me, and other people are looking decidedly put out. <sighs> um, and it may also mean having less yourself in order that someone else can benefit. Giving sacrificially is good for us, because it kills the more monster. And some of you think, I don't have a more monster. Oh, yes, you do. Yeah, it's that it, it resides with each one of us. And it whispers to you all the time, you need that. You have to have that. Yeah, when you watch adverts or you see someone else's trainers, you'll be miserable if you don't have them. It's a con. It's a lie. Yeah? Our happiness doesn't reside in the sum of our possessions. 
when Jess and I got married, uh, we had nothing, did we? We had no savings, and I don't advise this, but actually, we didn't have jobs. We only started working, we only started working like immediately after we got married. And some friends of ours gave us 500 pounds towards our wedding. It, uh, and it, there were no conditions. It wasn't like, this is some money, you know, to get Ben's hair done or something like that. It was, it was, you can use this however you need for your honeymoon, for the wedding, whatever it is. And that was 20 years ago. It just amazing generosity. And now, Jess and I have much. We, we own a house. We don't own it completely, do we? We have a mortgage. But, um, you know, and we have lots. And so we have a greater responsibility of things that we can share from. My encouragement to you is this. Learn the art of being generous when you don't have very much. If you're a student or a young person, be generous with what you have. Because as you go through life, you'll probably accumulate more. And if you've learned to be generous, then, then when you're you know, a multi-billionaire running your own you know, company, uh, you'll be generous with your billions. Uh, we've been given cars. So I think probably our first two or three cars that we owned, we were given. And then we ran them into the ground, and then we passed them on to other people. No, we didn't run them into the ground. But uh, generally, that's what happens, isn't it? You give someone a car, and you think, oh, we're so generous, and then it breaks down on them after four days. But anyway, we didn't sort of say, oh, we'll, we'll now sell it on eBay, see what we can get for it, and keep the money for ourselves. We receive blessing, and then try and pass that blessing on to other people. So give what you can, give generously, and then third, give cheerfully. It says in verse 7, God loves a cheerful giver. Even if you didn't get an eclair, smile. Giving with a smile. The Greek word there for cheerful is hilaros. It's where we get the English word hilarious. I don't know whether you've ever met a hilarious giver. God loves it. Sometimes when my children make something for me or they've got a present for me and, and I get home from work and they're like, come on, Dad, come on, come on, we've got something to show you. you know, open it. And, there, and there's an excitement and a joy. God loves it when we give like that rather than mm, prize it out of my cold, lifeless hands. My last five pound note. No, God loves it when we give cheerfully and generously. Some of you, I, I mean, it was brilliant what Steve shared in our worship about spiritual gifts. Some of you have the spiritual gift of generosity that's talked about in Romans 12. That doesn't mean just giving everything away carelessly and frivolously. No, it means you find great joy in channeling the resources that God's given you for the blessing of others. God has entrusted you with what he's given you. He's trusting you to bless other people. And if you show that you will do that, then he'll trust you with more. When I was a student in London, uh, the church that I was part of uh, was about 200 people. And we went for a 1.5 million building project. And we did that. We, the church 
just from the people, uh, no grants, no money from anywhere else. We raised the money. And that started an adventure of giving. We then uh, did other uh, building projects. We bought other buildings. And that church uh, is now around uh, 1,500 people on four sites. But irrelevant of how many sites or how big the church or how, what the church owned, the thing that's impressive is 20 years on, hundreds and hundreds of people have become Christians. And the church runs six houses that house homeless, uh, over 25 homeless and disadvantaged people. And that is because we went on an adventure of faith and an adventure of giving. One of the most cheerful givers I've ever known was an old lady, a single woman in her 80s. And she gave, on that adventure of giving, she gave a house to the church. And the church sold the house, and that was an incredible boost and, and propelled the church forward in all that we were doing. As far as I know, she'd never led anything. She didn't have a family. But she gave extravagantly to God's mission. And my abiding memory of her is a smile on her face. She was a cheerful giver. People don't do things like that because they have to, because they're under compulsion or feeling, oh, I suppose I should give a house to the church. People do that because they understand it's not theirs anyway. And they find great joy in using what God's given them to bless others. Who knows what blessing God might bring about through what you give. Our cheerful giving is an act of worship. When Paul writes, at the start of every week, set aside a sum of money, those words set aside remind me of the root word for the Hebrew word holy. You can translate it set apart or set aside. When I say, when, when I give, I'm saying, this money is holy to the Lord, set apart for him. It reminds me that everything we have comes from God. It belongs to him anyway. We're just giving back to him what he's already given us. So what about you? Let's turn the focus onto you. How could you grow in generosity. Think about your money, your time, and your talents or skills. Could you redirect some of your resources for the benefit of other people? You might think to yourself, I'm going to give away some more of my money. I could give more. I'm going to do that. Or you might think, I'm going to serve on a city hands project. Or I'm going to do something else that benefits people in my local community. Giving may, restart, may start as a response of the heart, but it has to move to become an act of the will. So you have to budget. Do you know what your income is? And do you know what your expenditure is? How much do you spend on your rent or your mortgage? How much do you spend on food 
and bills. And what do you do with the rest? The Dickens character, Mr. Micawber, laid out the principle of good budgeting. It goes like this. Annual income, 20 pounds. Annual expenditure, 19.6. Result, happiness. Annual income, 20 pounds. Annual expenditure, 20 pounds. Six, result, misery. So make a budget that you feel is realistic and that you can stick to. Now, you might be here and you might be struggling financially. And the thing for you is not, oh, give more. It's actually you need help in order to just get your money uh, into a good place. Ask someone. Get help so that you're in a good financial position and then you're in a place where you can share with others. Martin Lewis, the money-saving expert, says, easy lifestyle changes make huge differences. Cutting out a daily £2.50 coffee reduces your annual expenditure by £625 a year. And then you add in Mars bars, Twixes, Kit Kats. No, I'm joking. But you add in all the other things, and savings can quickly mount up. For followers of Jesus, there is a spiritual principle of honoring God with the first portion of what you have. Give first to the Lord and then to other things. Sow generously, give proportionately and cheerfully, and then see what God does. So let's come into land. Why are we raising money? We're raising money to fulfill our vision for Bristol. It takes money so that we can keep reaching and restoring and resourcing our mission in Bristol. That's why we're asking people to give, because we need to meet our budget for this year by raising an extra £40,000. That sounds like a lot, but last Sunday, I think we gathered around 375 people uh, across our three meetings as a church. We can do this if we all play our part. And we also want to be generous and give beyond ourselves to our commission family of churches, planting churches in the UK and into other nations, and to the Cardiff church plant that we sent out uh, about a year and a half ago. We'll do this by everyone stepping in and making a one-off gift, and by regular givers giving a gift over and above their regular giving. Now, for some of us, if you have hardly anything, that will be giving a few pounds. That is great. As Andy taught us last week, it's not the amount, it's your heart. For some of us, it will be a few hundred pounds. And for others, it will be a few thousand. We're all in different places financially. It doesn't matter where you're at, it's about your heart. We also want to grow our regular giving by 10%. As in, we want to run a balanced budget each year. We want to budget what we're going to spend and we want to get that amount of income each year. So that when we have gift days, we can do really fun stuff. Like it'll be to buy a building or it'll be to send out a church plant or to start a new site or buy a house for people that don't have anywhere to live or to um, equip a leader who's uh, planting overseas, whatever it may be. 
Growing our normal giving by 10% equates to every adult giving the equivalent of five pounds a week. That's on average across the church. So for some it will be one pound or 50p a week and others it will be much more than that. For some of, us, some of you, if you call this, this your church, then that will be stepping in to give regularly as your sign of commitment to God and your commitment to the vision of this church. And for others of you who are already giving, it might be, I can give a little bit more. We will do it if everyone plays their part. That's every single one of us. In 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9, Paul says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Think about God's extravagant generosity to us. He gave what it took to pay our debts. He gave his own precious son so that we might receive forgiveness, righteousness, love, and a relationship with him that will go on forever. Our response to that kind of grace and generosity should be worship and should be for us to give generously. The promise, if we do that, in verse 8, is that you will abound in every good work. You'll have more than enough to do all the things that God wants you to do. So, returning to my opening question, how does God want you to use your money? You can give to charities and other good causes, and many of you are incredibly generous, but the greatest cause of all is the gospel, that people might hear the good news about Jesus Christ who's come to save sinners, that people will hear through the local church and through more churches being planted, and that disadvantaged people would experience the good news and God's love for themselves. Giving your money towards helping Bristol believe. Invest yourself in that. That's what people moved here 21 years ago to do, to start this church. In 100 years' time, in 2119, I wonder what this generation of this church will be remembered for. I wonder whether we'll even be remembered. I hope that we are remembered because we saw hundreds, maybe even thousands of people put their faith in Jesus. I hope that we'll be remembered because we gave hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of pounds to fund mission, to plant churches and serve the poor and the disadvantaged. I hope we'll be remembered that God gave us buildings all across this city that will serve the communities that they're in, that bring the light and hope of Jesus Christ to people around them. There's no greater cause. We get to invest in the mission of God. And we get to contribute to things of eternal significance. To rescue people and restore them to right relationship with God. That's what I want to give my life for. My time, my money, my skills. 
I do it gladly, and I pray that you will too. Let's stand and pray together. If the band could come back. Father, we thank you that everything we have comes from you. Thank you that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. We just acknowledge today the grace of what we have. Our family, our friends, the clothes that we're wearing, the food that we've eaten this morning, the money that we have. Everything comes from you, Lord. And we want to respond with worship today. We want to honor you with our lives and with our money. We pray that what we give today would bless your heart and we pray that it would bless people beyond ourselves. Amen.